0: Coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce.
1: You know, other clients, we've literally built out flowcharts and CRM systems from the ground up for them. It's really on a case by case basis, you know. But the goal is always, you know, how do we get better data for our clients? And, you know, we've got analysts that oftentimes really surprise them with some of the data we're able to provide, you know. Yeah. You know, like that 88%, you know, wow, 88%. So, you know, finding out that 88% of the leads close in the first three days says that we can really start optimizing for the near term, right? Mm-hmm. And not have to worry about that other 12%. Yeah, it's gonna be gravy further on down the line, but knowing nine out of 10 up front, we can really focus on the ones that are in the first three days and seeing yeah. how that's turning over. Yeah. And you know, that that was a, a big win for you know both them and us to be able to figure out like, hey, we'll know within three days for the most part that that was a good sale or not.
0: Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Past the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Ron Browning who is the founder and CEO of Intellibrite. So, got a little bit of a mouthful here, but we uh Intellibrite is on the Inc 5000 fastest growing digital marketing agencies and they actually specialize in paper sale compensation. So, I wasn't exactly sure what that meant, but it is quite literally they they will partner with companies and they don't get paid until you actually make a sale. So obviously, Ron stands behind his product. They don't get paid unless you make a sale. So really, really interesting. I mean, they completely align with their partner companies to make sure that the The process is evaluated. They go through and evaluate the website and make sure that you know conversions are are happening so again it's it's sort of like your own internal in house marketing consultant support but they're obviously external. And what I also really am interested with with this business model is he's out there doing this for multiple different companies. So as things change on Google, as things happen, tweaks, algorithm changes they're there testing and tweaking things for many different types of companies. So they know what works and what doesn't work. So really, really interesting insights. We get into some of what does and doesn't work in the conversation. But uh, but I, I really hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce with Ron Browning.
1: Let's see. The dinner table was a refurbished antique that my mother got in she get it like in Myrtle Beach we went on one family vacation we drove from Texas all the way to South Carolina and she refinished it herself sanded it down herself and did the seats and everything and so that that was our family dinner table
0: very cool so so did you have uh siblings and and all of that as well did you grow up with other one sister. She is four years younger. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. And and growing up, were you exposed to entrepreneurialism at all? Were you, you know, were you always. always, yeah.
1: So, you know, my dad, when I was really young, you know, had regular jobs. But then later on in life, he always had his own business. You know, I started working when I was eleven years old mm-hmm. for my dad. And so, you know. Ever since I was a little kid, I, I you know, worked and, and, you know, earned my money and bought my stuff and all of that.
0: Yeah. And and what types of jobs would you do when you were young like that?
1: Yeah. So my my very first job, my dad had a used car dealership. And when I was 10 and a half, 11 years old, I would clean some of the cars. Okay. I would like change batteries, you know, which I, w- I was a fairly skinny kid. So and then he had a tire shop. So I do remember when I was 12 years old working at the tire shop. And so that's how I spent my summer. That was instead of getting a babysitter, I went to the tire store and I, I changed tires. And 12, skinny, I had to roll the tires over my feet, lift up the tire with my feet, and push it onto the car. And oh, cool. so I would be black from head to toe. And I remember one time this lady looked at me and she said, Does your mom know you're working here? <laughs> and I said, Ask my dad.
0: <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, that's, I, I, I love when you, when you hear stories of, you know, how, how you started working, you know, at a young age, I did the same thing. I started putting ribs on houses when I was about the, the same age, 10, 11 years old. And, you know, it 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 just instills a great work ethic, you know, that, yeah. uh, you know, served, certainly served me well. So, so what happened next? Did you go to school or anything like that? What, uh, what was kind of your, your next path into, you know, more of your. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I, you know, graduated high school, I applied only to a handful of colleges, I got into all the colleges I wanted. And my parents decided that SMU was the place for me to go. Mm-hmm. So I went to Southern Methodist University for my undergrad, I started graduate school at the University of Dallas. And then as part of my project, you were to start a business. So I started a mortgage company at, oh, and start a real business. And, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Very cool and it started going well enough to where i dropped out of graduate school and so that was that was my first business was a mortgage company okay and what drew you to to that industry you know i was i was looking to do some real estate investments and as i was doing it you know my mom was going to co-sign with me on a house that i had found uh in this really cool little area of dallas and I went into this guy and said, okay, I need a mortgage. And, you know, he started talking to me. And I've, I've always been fairly good with numbers and all that. And so he was like, so what are you doing? And talked to me a little bit. He goes, hey, I, I've got an extra office space here I'm not using. You want an office out of here? Yeah. And then two weeks later, I was his partner and we were running the mortgage business together. A little bit later, I found out there was a reason that he had an empty office. <laughs> so I ended up buying him out. And that was really tough because I I literally had to learn how to process mortgages myself. Yeah. So I got the big guidelines book and I started going through it and I was putting the files together myself and, you know, you had to get approved with all the lenders and all of that. But I remember that I finally closed the deal, right? I put the paperwork and and this was like, you know, I'm working 18 hours a day and, you know, killing myself. But then I got a check. And I think the check was like $2,350, right? $2,350. But I was like, it's real. Yeah. I can really get paid pushing papers around yeah. and doing a mortgage. I was like, wow, this is great. So that was like my total motivation. Because up until that point, I hadn't closed anything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that, was, that was the beginning of the mortgage company. And I started growing that just by virtue of you know word of mouth. I, okay. I was able to put things together in a way because because I had spent the time to learn how to process, I also learned some things that n- people hadn't put together before that were fairly unique. And then so I got in with the, the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas people. I got in with Occidental Chemical Accounting Department and all these different people. So um yeah, I was I was pretty lucky after a while. Wow. Wow. And and did
0: you know? that you were doing things differently than anybody else at the time? like
1: Yeah, so so I did a no-cost refinance before there was a term for it. Okay. So I had asked the lender, I said, hey, can I pay these fees out of my commission? And they were like, why would you want to do that? I'm like, well, if I pay the fees out of my commission, then it didn't cost them any money. And so some of the accountants that I was working with, like Occidental Chemical, the guy was like... "I." he was like well hey could you you know and these guys are like counting pennies right yeah yeah so they'd be like well can i refinance and i'm like sure and so we started working on it i was like oh well i could pay those fees for you and then they got even smarter they go well look i don't want to refinance for 360 i want to refinance for 352 months yeah because they don't want to have those added on to the end yeah yeah and so look, the lenders were getting a little like, you got to be kidding me, 352 months for this!" Yeah. But I did a no cost refinance. So like one guy I did three times in the course of a year, he was yeah. over the moon and he told everybody about it. Yeah. And so yeah, I started getting a lot of referral business that way. Yeah. That word of mouth, you know, there's nothing, nothing better, right? Yeah. Well, especially like the accounting guys, because they were, they were really good at it. And he was like, look, this guy's willing to do you know, different monthly terms and all this other stuff that, you know, if you, if you, if I hadn't been forced to learn the underwriting guidelines, yeah, I wouldn't have nearly, a, nearly the ability to put things together the way that I did. But I've always been a big believer in, you know, learn every rule of the game. Yeah, You know, if yeah. you want to win, yourself. you got to know the rules backwards and forwards so that yep. you can use them to your advantage.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. You got to immerse yourself in there and, you know, it can be held for a little while, but you know, once you get in there and understand everything, then you know, all the nuances and where to, you know, what's important, what's not important. So, right. Yeah. That's great. So what, what happened next? When did you, uh, w- w- what happened to the mortgage business and you know, what was the next jaunt into the.
1: Yep. So I eventually sold the mortgage business. I had invested in like some entertainment industry with the nightclub and a restaurant, but you know, really my passion was, you know, beginning to become the internet. And so a, a very dear friend of mine who had worked for Anderson Consulting, which became Accu- uh, Accenture, had gone over to San Francisco to start a dot .com. And, you know, he was like, hey, you, you got to come out here and help me with this. So there was three of us that founded what became a company called Creditland, which was even to this day pretty advanced because it was a financial service provider that allowed you to do credit cards, auto loans, home loans, personal loans online using your own credit report to pre-qualify against multiple lenders in real time. Oh, wow. Wow. So...
0: Yeah, and is that you know, still around today too? Or, do, or is it yeah. a form of that? No. Yeah, I was gonna say I've never heard of that before. That sounds great.
1: Yeah, no, it was it was kind of like the lending tree model. If you got a real time approval and only went with one company because you saw the offer up front. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, it was a phenomenal company. It was crazy time. So that was the the whole dot com blow up yeah. in San Francisco yep. in ninety-eight, and you know, we were beta testers for the Salesforce products. And look, it it, it was an incredible time we grew from three people to 256 in a year and a half
0: wow wow
1: but like a lot of companies we got caught off guard by the dot-com blow up yeah you know we yep. were burning through cash pretty fast because you know everybody in the company's like grow as fast as you can you know worry yeah. about the profitability later and all that stuff but look i was still fairly young at that time so you know if i knew knew then what i know now things yeah. would have been a lot different but yeah, so, you know, that went by the wayside, but I was able to parlay all of that learning in, you know, internet marketing into going over to uh, a company credit.com, which was, you know, and still is to this day, a really big online credit company. Mm-hmm. And they got like multiple products. After that, I went over to Elon. And so at Elon, that was just such a phenomenal company. I mean, it was 900 and something people. And it was like the most trusted provider of mortgages on the internet. It was doing loans in all 50 states, large volumes, got to work with some really incredible people. One of my good friends uh, from Elon, Ken Lynn, went off to do Credit Karma and okay. uh, has done quite, o- quite okay for himself. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so after Elon, I went to Florida. So Elon was still out in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. and in florida i was working for a subprime mortgage lender because i wanted to be part of the executive team and elon i was head of business development but i wasn't in the decision making office right yeah, yeah and you know the subprime lender brought me in to be part of their executive team it was growing really fast but it had a lot of challenges that they weren't willing to address mm-hmm. yeah i'm not going to go into the specifics but it was it was It was crazy. Like, once you kind of looked under the covers, it was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So I went off and started doing consulting on my own and eventually recognized that, you know, $250, $350 an hour is nice, but it's limited. Like, Mm -hmm. I got to work every hour for that amount of money. And I'm never really going to meet my long term goals doing that. Now, look. I was living in Florida in Fort Lauderdale. It was beautiful. The weather's fantastic. So it's easy to get kind of lulled in by that. But at some point it's like, no, I, I just, you know, want to try and do more. So I started what is now Intellibrite to be an internet marketing agency that, you know, really the, the core concept of Intellibrite and even the core concept of Creditland is paper sale marketing. Okay. And so yeah. You know, back when we had Creditland, one of the things that we did with banks. So we had like Bank of America and and you know what is now Wells Fargo and all these companies, and we were being paid on sales. So you know we were running people's credit under against, against the credit criteria and yeah. saying this is this is a verified to goodness sale for you. And the reason that I love that part of the model, even back then at Creditland, so much was you've got to work with the client to really figure out the types of leads that are turning into revenue for them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, because look, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the lead generation industry. Like your goal as a lead generator is to generate as many leads as you can and get paid for them. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the client's profitability is secondary. Like you want to sell them more leads yep. really up to the point to where they get so much pain out of not being able to close them. They say, I'm going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, the paper sale, like you're working together as if you're in the same company saying, look, talk to me, what's working for you, what's not working for you. Even back then at at CreditLand, we were like surprised at the low conversion rates with one of our partners. And we were like, well, let's dive into this.
0: Hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've been involved in the multifamily real estate realm for a while. It's something that I truly, truly enjoy, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling it the MultiWiser Deal Room. It's a community of individuals, just like you, who want to get wise about multifamily real estate investing, developing, and even owning and managing your own complexes. You'll be able to network with people from all sections of the industry, From investors looking for deals, project managers looking for investors, real estate brokers, property management agencies, contractors, remodeling experts, finance growers, you name it, we're going to have it in the network. I've been at this for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one of these projects happen. And the MultiWiser Deal Room is my attempt to shorten your learning curve and get you plugged into leading experts fast who can help you close your own deals. We start off with a video glossary of over 150 commonly used terms to increase your understanding and help you get moving. Also included in the community are training videos to help you be successful, like how to put together a pitch deck, build a team, and so much more. We're going to have live interactive Zoom calls where you can ask your questions and learn from people who are actually out there in the industry doing it. For more information, go to multiwiser.com.
1: And diving into it, we were like, wait a minute, your FICO scorecard is two years old. Like, this is a huge bank. Yeah. Um, Not one of the ones I mentioned, a different one that's not around anymore. Right. But, you know, we're like, the scorecard you're using is two years outdated. Ours is new. That's why it's not working. Yeah. And that was like a huge aha moment for them. And when they updated their scorecard, like, it was phenomenal. And it reduced their losses. And it did so many really great things. So- you know, the Intellibrite concept is the same where, look, we want to work with partners. Like we want to know what's working, what's not working. How do we Mm -hmm. get you more of the good stuff? How do we get you less of the bad? Because the other thing is like optimizing somebody's time,
0: you know, sure.
1: If you give somebody a whole bunch of bad leads, they got to work through all of them. If you give them half as many leads that are better and they can close the same amount, well, literally, they've got twice the time to close even more,
0: yep, so yep.
1: you know can you increase the the revenue productivity on a per salesperson basis by giving them higher quality leads at a lower volume, and you absolutely can
0: yeah no that that makes a hell of a lot of sense so so are, do you focus in on specific industries with the 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 that concept, or is it pretty yeah, well so- open to
1: we, we, we do, it's not necessarily a specific industry. It's more of specific guidelines. So the the value of the sale has to probably be, it needs to be at least $1,500 or more. Okay. The process is that a lead is generated and given to somebody that then sells it, right? Okay. So we don't do e-commerce. We really focus on lead generation to somebody yep. that's going to either over the phone, over Zoom or in person make a sale, right? Yep. It needs to be a regional or national opportunity. Okay. Anything that's just an individual local is too small. And and I'll tell you the other thing that was that was interesting is our best clients are like VP of sales. Okay. When the when the client was too small and the boss was writing the check, like we had to talk about every sale. Well, I literally had a guy one time say, Well, that guy goes to my church. I don't want to pay you a commission on a guy that goes to my church. Yeah. Yeah. I can show you the website, the call, how it came in, how I paid for the ad. Yeah. But he goes to my church. Yeah. So one of the things that we've come to understand is like, look, the VP of sales is trying to reach the company's metrics. Right. Mm -hmm. So he wants to maximize the revenue for the company, but also he wants to make sure he takes care of his vendors because he wants to hit those goals and it's fair. Right. Yep, so when yep. you get up to those larger levels, those regional and national companies, they're not looking at the onesies, twosies. Oh, if can we increase our revenue by fifteen percent by you doing it at the same cost all day long?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's really, really interesting. So now you're you're actually generating leads on your side. And then are they going through any type of filtration process or qualification process so that you know when you send them over to your client that they've already been somewhat vetted at that point?
1: It depends. So every client's different. In general, just the leads that we're providing are a lot different than a lot of the leads that people might buy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for our clients, for the paid search stuff, we're literally setting up a campaign in their name that goes to their landing page that tells about their value proposition. And then we do something a little bit different where You know, a lot of typical agencies, what they do is they say, okay, every call that you get over Google that's over 30 seconds is a lead, right? Or a conversion. We we had a million conversions. Well, we've got a system set up where they have to call in, they hit an IVR, and we have a professional voice actor that records it. So the company sounds like Megacorp, even if they're, you know, had their boss's daughter do the original Yeah, And and so they hit the the professionally recorded thing and then they press one for sales. And it's not until they, they hear the IVR, they listen to that, they press one for sales. That's what we report back to Google as a call conversion. Okay. So, you know, if you're looking at it from an agency perspective or a cost per conversion perspective as a business, you'd be like, Oh, your conversion costs are really high, but we're not, Capital, we're not, we're not caught counting as conversions, things that are, you know, people trying to sell you stuff, significant others calling in any of that other stuff. So yeah, it's going to look a little bit higher, but that's the one that you really want to optimize on. Yep. So yeah, so that, that's, that's one of the ways that we filter it out, right? So we also have people that listen to the calls. We do a lot in the process piece as well for our customers that I, I think, helps. So a lot of our customers are pay for sale, mm-hmm. but we have a fair amount of customers on what we call a subscription model. So they okay. pay us a flat rate. Sometimes those are customers that do, you know, like large B2B sales, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if you're doing a multimillion dollar project, that can take a year and a half. And do you want to pay a commission on that? Probably yeah. not. Right. So for those customers, we actually listen to the phone calls that are the sales opportunities and we'll tag them. We'll give them feedback on them. Is the process working well? So, you know, we help clients oversee the entirety of the process in addition to making sure that they're qualified leads. And that's, you know, one of the things I think really sets us apart because with a lot of our clients we will come in and, you know, after listening to the phones for two weeks said, Hey, 56% of your inbound calls during office hours are not answered on the sales line.
0: Yeah. What?
1: But before when we talked through their process flow, they're like, Oh no, it's fine. Yeah. All the calls. Yeah. Yeah. So look, if they don't have the process down, you're just never going to be able to get AdWords to work. You know, there's plenty of companies out there that understand that every call that comes in needs to be answered immediately and professionally Mm -hmm. and that you need to, take down that information and schedule an appointment or do some type of immediate follow-up. And when you have that process down, you're going to be able to reinvest in AdWords. But if you miss half of your inbound opportunity, you just can't, you can't ever get yourself out of that hole. So, you know, one of the first things that we do is really look at that process. Like right now, We're working with clients to, we're showing them where there's holes in it. And we're really refining it to, you know, like right now, just a little while ago, we were looking at this new client's uh, phone tree. And it's literally like one, two, three. And then if you go down one, it's pick one, two, three, or four. And then if you pick one, two, three, or four, four, it goes to these four people, which are the same four people in all of these. And then if they don't answer it, then after 10 seconds, it goes to somebody. And so, like it was this crazy thing, and I was like, "Wait a minute! These are the same people answering it everywhere." Yeah, like yeah. you don't the differences, need all this. yeah,
0: <laughs> that's funny. And that, what a lot of people don't realize too is that person who's calling in has to wait on line while it goes through each one of those different those different tiers. So you know, it's that much more frustration for you know that person calling and in.
1: Sometimes it's just confusing. Like you, as a business owner, know what you're trying to say, but you know. Do I need service or do I need sales? Well, I've got a unit that needs servicing, so I don't. Is sales for new stuff? Is yeah. service for or is service if I'm an existing customer? Uh, never mind. I'm going to call somebody yeah. else. Yeah.
0: Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. So, what what are some of the things that you find today? And again, obviously, Google is always changing and and all of that. What what types of I guess strategies are you using today that seem to be, you know, generating a lot of leads. And I, I don't know if that's that's too macro of a question because obviously each industry is a little bit different, but does anything come to mind that, you know, sort of stands out that you, sh- you should be doing this or you should be not be doing something else?
1: You know, for for us, it's less about a lot of leads and more about a lot of high quality opportunities. Mm-hmm. So we do, we spend an enormous amount of time tying client results to inbound leads. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for some clients, we're literally, we've got a funnel in Google set up where, okay, so we've got a conversion and then we've got a qualified lead and then we've got a sale. Mm-hmm. And so we've got three data points for that client in Google ads, right? And the reason that we've got three data points is conversions are the, the first part, Right but then qualified leads because sales sales is the ultimate but with with this particular client sales is a little funny because they're seasonal and they bring people in at the high season that mm-hmm. aren't there all year so their conversion rates fluctuate pretty drastically and so what we did was we said look let's let's look at the the sales but let's also look at the qualified leads so you know, is it a true opportunity? Is it within the zip codes or the counties or states that we service, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And so now we've got these three data points. And so the sales data point, and we're still collecting the data on it, right? So I don't know what's going to be the one that that we really end up trying to optimize on, but both the qualified leads and the sales are way better to optimize on than than leads, right? And so for us, we're really trying to continue to tie that information back And then have these really, you know, good conversations with the client saying, you know, hey, what do you talk to me about these leads and what's good, what's not. Mm -hmm. And look, with with some clients, it's a fight to get them to be able to figure out what's happening with their own leads.
0: Well, that's, I I just was going to ask, you know, how often do people not even understand what is a, you know, what is a good lead? What is a bad lead? I mean, I would imagine they just say, well, if they buy you know, if we can sell them, whatever we're selling, then it's a good lead. But, but like, it, it, do you have a process or a system that you kind of take them through to determine like, yes, we're moving in the right direction with, you know, with these people and let's stop going this direction with these other people. Is there, is there any type of a process or anything like that, you, that you've identified or framework that, that you kind of run them through?
1: Yeah. You know, it, it, each client is different, right? So, you know, we've got some clients that literally have, three different systems of data. And so for them to tie stuff together is really difficult. So, you know, we're helping them onboard a new CRM system that's going to allow them to have a, you know, view of the entirety of the life of the lead. Other clients, you know, they've got it down a little bit better. And yeah, they've got a pretty good idea of what a qualified lead is. And so that's really helpful. So the, you know, the qualified lead is, you know, we'll know that the same day. Right, because they're getting to most of those leads the same day, and so we get that automatic feedback. And then the ones that turn into sales, you know, uh, with that client, we found out that eighty-eight percent of the leads turn into sales within the first three days, and okay. then the other twelve percent over the course of the next nine months. So, so there's um, a time, yeah. So you're you're also tracking a time element
0: to it as well. So so I, yeah, that's that's one of the I, I guess that's one of the the curiosities with with your process is, you know, how do you how do you help them track all of that? And, and I mean, are you actually tied into their CRM system so that, you know, you can see the entire, I guess, the entire sales flow to be able to, you know, And and do you help optimize that too? Like you mentioned before, you know, they might go to the landing page or the the website, you know, do you help them optimize the website so that, you know, the, 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 the content is clear and, you know, they understand what it is that. the,
1: the, the Yeah, is absolutely. Get. So. The bulk of our clients give us admin access to their CRM systems. So we go in, we create our own reports, we send ourselves the data that we want to have. You know, one of my clients jokes with me, he's like, and this is a paper sale client. He's like, yeah, every time the conversion rates go down, I know I'm going to get a call. But but, but he also appreciates that you know, he's got another set of eyes on it. You know, yeah. I'm not saying like, hey, your conversion rates are horrible. I'm saying, eh, you know, the conversion rates are down a little bit. And he's like, hmm, let me look into this. And so, yeah, look, I mean, and, and those are the clients that are really great to have. But we'll, we'll certainly go in, we'll say that, you know, have you considered or would you mind if we started capturing these certain fields? Mm-hmm. Some clients we pass uh, lead IDs so that we can track it back a little bit more easily you know other clients we've literally built out flowcharts and crm systems from the ground up for them it's really on a case by case basis you know but the goal is always you know how do we get better data for our clients and you know we've got analysts that oftentimes really surprise them with some of the data we're able to provide you know yeah. you know like that 88% you know wow 88% so, you know, finding out that 88% of the leads close in the first three days says that we can really start optimizing for the near term, right? Mm-hmm. And not have to worry about that other 12%. Yeah, it's going to be gravy further on down the line, but knowing nine out of 10 up front, we can really focus on the ones that are in the first three days and see yeah. how that's turning over. Yeah. And, you know, that, that was a, a big win for, you know, both them and us. To be able to figure out, like, hey, we'll know within three days, for the most part, that that was a good sale or not.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's you know it sort of sounds like you're a you know a back end, you know, you're basically a back end optimization company firm that you know, you're, and it's great that you partner with with people as well. So you know, it kind of makes it as a uh, I guess as as low risk as possible. You know, everybody's working in the same direction to. To, to make yeah there's there's a happen.
1: lot of sales process optimization and and you know look honestly if we just went in and helped them with the sales process optimization like I I've literally helped clients double their sales from existing inbound leads in the first yeah. few weeks yeah. by identifying some pieces that were broken and then having us help oversee it listen to phone calls like you know hey, here's a funny example is that one client, We were listening to the calls, the sales calls, and you know it's got the recording that says this call is being recorded for quality assurance and all that. And we started hearing that these calls were going to a disconnected number. And so we started doing a little bit of digging. Turns out that the phone system had been updated about a year and a half before we got there. Oh, my God. And nobody told the inside sales team (laughs) that when they left at 5 o'clock and forwarded the sales number to the inside sales voicemail, yeah, that it didn't work anymore, wow, so for wow. a year and a half from five p m to eight a m anybody that called and wanted to talk to a salesperson got this number disconnected
0: yeah, wow, wow so so what types of industries do you do you work in is there any I know that you mentioned it's got to be you know at least regional are, are there any focused
1: type areas that you would say that you yeah, we're do- we're know. doing a lot with you know roofing, siding, windows, big dollar projects. We've got heating oil clients. Uh, we've got a number of cremation clients, funeral home clients. Okay, so that it, so it's a little bit more. I mean, I was thinking like, I mean, you are basically working with local
0: or more local type companies. So I was thinking that it was going to be, uh, again, more regional based. I guess so. None, so that's that's great. Regional. So
1: the heating oil company has. 21 locations in seven states, the cremation companies in seven states with 20 something locations. Roofing company has 37 commercial roofing company has 51 locations. So, you know, they're they're all decent sized. And, and, you know, another thing that we do really well is companies with multiple locations. Mm -hmm. So You know we a a lot of what we do is process and it's also telephony so we help them to you know one of the things we did for one of our clients that has a, a large coverage in a number of locations was we said look what happens when somebody calls that location in wherever right and they're like well it goes to the that you know office and i said Look, historically what we found is, is that it's really hit or miss. Some offices are great, some are bad. Oh my god, tell me about it, right? They're, they're like, yeah. you know, that, there's this one office, they never answered the phone. I said, look, what we like to do is we like to set up every phone number on our telephony system mm-hmm. and what we'll do is we'll have this professional IVR so you have consistency and look, these are companies that are doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, but You know, they've grown from outside sales and, you know, pounding doors and doing all this stuff. So they really haven't thought about a lot of that stuff. So we say, look, we're going to use the same message across all the locations. But what we're going to do is we're going to say, press one to speak to a salesperson. And we're not going to send it to that location because they don't answer the phone. Yeah. We're going to send it to the headquarters for the inside sales team to do. Oh oh yeah. yeah wow and so now just by virtue of setting that up right all the sales opportunities are going to a phone that somebody's going to answer yeah right Yep. Yeah. and then look if they want to talk to them about a local project or whatever we can send that over there like the telephone system is amazing it can do whatever we need it to but you know optimizing once again that process for those inbound sales opportunities from lots of locations that's a big bump in your revenue just overnight because you improve yeah. the process again yeah no
0: that makes that makes perfect perfect sense so so if i'm a potential client of yours what 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 types of things would i need like do is there a certain amount of sales that i should have or sure. you know what what are what does that look like yeah absolutely
1: so look if you want to be a subscription client if you want to pay us a fixed rate to manage all of your stuff you don't need to have anything you know that runs roughly five thousand bucks a month right okay. we're going to build you a new website, we're going to do your SEO, your paid search, we're going to do your social, we're going to manage your reviews, everything really that you need to have a good online presence and look professional. If we're doing a paper sale deal, look, these these have to be the right people for sure. You'll need to have regional or national scope, right? So we want a big opportunity because we're going to invest a lot of money in this you're really going to need to be able to tell us what's it cost you to generate a sale on Google. Yeah. Because if you've never used Google before, you don't know how expensive it is. Yep. And so really some history with that and some understanding of what that costs. Mm -hmm. And then you need to spend some time with the accounting department and bake in all your costs. Like what's it cost to have an outside firm run it for you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Look, our good paper sale partners understand the value because you know they're going to go from having you know either a mediocre inside resource that's probably wasting a ton of money yeah or an okay agency that they've got to oversee to having us which is going to give you this rock star team of you know a a good amount of six-figure people that they would never have access to yeah yeah managing all this on their behalf so they say look here's what it costs us all in on a per sale basis it's x or it's you know y percent and we're okay with that if you can do it for that and cause us less headache and generate a lot more sales yeah that would be a big win for us yep yep. and so we're like yeah we definitely can and so we'll go in we'll work with that and you know we've doubled and tripled clients revenue we had one of our first big paper sale clients, we took them from 23 to 54 locations over the course of a few years, wow. and they got bought by a multi-billion dollar publicly traded company.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's incredible. If people want to learn more about your, your products, your services, what would you say is the best way to, to reach out to you?
1: You know, they can go to our website, intellibright.com, and they can call or they can email
0: yeah, excellent.
1: I, I love this and and uh there's there's plenty to talk about here.
0: So, no, I, I I certainly appreciate your time and uh I think that this is a it's a great business model, you know, no matter how you look at it. I think that that's, you know, fantastic being able to support, you know, local businesses, you know, basically be their technology back end that and and pull in all of your knowledge and experience on how Google works and and all of that you know, I I know as a business owner myself and I'm even in the technology space too, you, it, it's also confusing. Things change and you know the pay-per-click stuff, you know, is is always getting tweaked and all of that. So again, having somebody who's in there every day knowing and understanding how all that works, incredibly valuable. So I'll
1: say one of one of our, one of our core core targets, right, is large companies that are successful that have either no or one marketing person in the company Mm -hmm. right usually it's not a good fit for us if they've got people doing seo or ppc or any of that stuff but it's those companies that are generating a lot of revenue but they don't get the web really yeah Yeah. they've maybe tried to have one person here or somebody's you know other person do it we're able to come in and just really manage it all on their behalf they've got one person that they can talk to on a monthly basis we make it really easy for them and we pay for ourselves many many times over but usually those are the companies that work best with us are the ones with you know out and then uh, you know a built-out marketing department yeah. that is going to yep. feel kind of uh, threatened if you will by our yeah. by our presence
0: no that makes sense that makes sense ron this is fantastic again Many, many thanks, and uh, I look forward to hearing more from you guys and seeing what, what you guys come up with next.
1: Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much. Have a great day.
0: You too. Thanks for listening, and remember, pass the secret sauce.